Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, proud to host Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, and it's been an honor to work alongside Kristen Lavers, the president and CEO of the ECNL. On Sunday, I called another game on the Big Ten Network. It was the Rutgers women in Madison to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. There was all kinds of wind, I mean, ridiculous, 25 miles per hour. But in goal for Wisconsin was their first-team All-American from 2019, Jordan Bloomer. And she was booming balls past midfield into the wind. And Wisconsin won that game in the final minutes, knocking off a very good Rutgers team. During the game, we did reference Christian Labors. And of course, Christian then made the connection that he coached Jordan Bloomer during her time with FC Wisconsin. So we thought it'd be great to take Jordan's experience in the ECNL. Paula Wilkins, the legendary coach in Wisconsin, who, by the way, is the winningest coach in Wisconsin women's soccer history. Of course, the coach of Rose Lavelle as well, another All-American. And just talk about the growth of the game, the youth game, the growth of Jordan Bloomer and her maturation and the stories that go with it. So Christian Labors, who, by the way, is also a Badger with a bachelor's and master's degree. Paula Wilkins, the fine head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers women's soccer team and their All-American Jordan Bloomer are on the show. And it starts after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country, with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. I am Dean Linky. This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I'm joined again by Christian Labors, the president and CEO. And today it's a Wisconsin Badger takeover. And I just called Wisconsin's exciting win over Rutgers on Sunday. So it's only fitting that the very next day as we get ready for this week's release that we have a Badger takeover. And that means we're joined by Paula Wilkins, one of the all-time greats. In fact, one of the most accomplished women's soccer college head coaches in the country. Paula Wilkins is now in her 14th season as head coach of the Wisconsin women's soccer program with a pair of College Cup semifinal appearances and 12 NCAA tournament berths. Wilkins has long been regarded as one of the game's elite coaches. Wilkins, with a win over Iowa to start this strange spring season, passed Dean Durst to become the all-time winningest coach in Wisconsin women's soccer history. Including her impressive time at Penn State, Paula Wilkins ranks third in Big Ten history for career coaching wins and also ranks second all-time in Big Ten history with eight Big Ten titles, and she also has three Big Ten tournament titles. 
course, one of the biggest stories of Wilkins' career is that of former Wisconsin standout Rose Lavelle, now considered to be one of the best players in the world. She also knows a little bit about coaching All-Americans, including her current superstar goalkeeper, Jordan Bloomer, a 2019 first-team All-American and Big Ten goalkeeping phenom who we will meet in a moment. But first, let me welcome one of my faves, Paula Wilkins. Welcome, Paula. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks to Christian and the ECNL. I appreciate being here. I'm excited to talk about youth development. All right, I can't wait. And as we mentioned, Jordan Bloomer also on the program, a first-team All-American a year ago. Of course, first-team All-Big Ten as well. Bloomer comes from Heartland, Wisconsin, where she attended Arrowhead High School and played for FC Wisconsin. In fact, under Christian Lavers at times. Bloomer, as a goalkeeper, has been a member of the U.S. Women's National Team Youth System. She was one of 24 players called into the U.S. under-19 Women's National Team training camp last October. Bloomer was a member of the ECNL Player Development Program in 2013, 14, and 15, and she also attended the 2014 Nike National Training Camp. And Jordan Bloomer, against the win, you were bombing balls past midfield, which helped your team knock off Rutgers. So pleased to have you on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Jordan, I'm going to start with you fresh off that incredible win over Rutgers. But when you heard that you're going to be on a podcast about ECNL, what did that mean to you? What does ECNL mean to you? I was super excited. I absolutely loved my time at FC Wisconsin and I credit so much of my success to what Christian has helped me do, including learning how to properly strike a long ball. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of nostalgia that goes back to my time at the ECNL and I have great pride coming from FC Wisconsin being from Wisconsin and being able to play for the Badgers now there's just a lot of there's a lot of pride and um there's just so much I can say that the ECNL has done for me so I'm just I'm super thankful for the opportunities it's given me well when you're as great as you are you also have to take moments where we can make fun of you so that's what we're going to do right now so Christian Lavers and Paula Wilkins you guys are going to share stories right now Christian we'll start with you as her coach and then we'll go to Paula Paula as you saw Jordan develop her game as she became a badger but Christian you were telling stories before Jordan got on about how you had to actually teach her how to strike a ball can you elaborate on that well, I don't want to take too much credit for that. I, I will say, Jordan, you were one of the most committed kids in getting better. And ultimately, players develop players, and you took information and ran with it. In fact, I think the only thing you were more committed to than getting better as a soccer player was promoting Qdoba um, <laughs> and your excitement to have Qdoba pre and post game all the time. But uh, it's awesome to get the chance to talk to you now and your career at Wisconsin, your development there has been really, really awesome to see. And I have a sneaking feeling that we will see you continuing to play as your college career wraps up and, and as you move forward as well. So Paula, what do you remember about the recruiting process of Jordan and seeing her develop within ECNL? You know, I think one of the best things about Jordan is that we want to keep the best players in Wisconsin. And obviously Jordan was one of the best goalkeepers in the country at that point. And great shot stopper, um, you know, we were impressed with her athleticism right from the get-go. And we knew that um, being in the ECNL, she was going to have the ability to play against good teams. And so that ability is going to be important because she's going to be stretched in every game um, and forcing her to have to make good saves. And that's what we saw. We saw her do that often in games where, you know, she'd have to come up with a big save for her club team. And I think when she's put in that situation over and over again, um, they learn, you know, the environment creates that for them, for their development in that that way um you know she wasn't the polished you know 
product at that point. I think at one point on a corner kick, I saw her turn into the goal. Her face went into the goal and came out the other way. And I thought, man, we might have to fix that. But um, <laughs> I think I'd like to reiterate what uh, Christian said. I think she's always been open to information. I think she's done a great job with her goalkeeper coach, uh, Tim Rosenfeld, who's, who's coached players in the World Cup, you know, and everything like that. And, you know, with her athleticism and her willingness to learn and grow has really made her into the goalkeeper she is today. Jordan, I have to admit, I became a broadcaster because truly I really wanted to be you. I wanted to be an elite level athlete that could play in college and then go on to play in the pros. Christian Labors has already said that that's what you're going to do. So now I get the best seat in the house to talk about people like you. And I'm always fascinated about tipping points. When did you know that you had it? You had the ability to play at a big time program like Wisconsin. How old were you? What do you remember about that tipping point when you said, you know what? I can go to college for free and play the sport that I love. I think it was, so Wisconsin was the first school to have me um, on campus for an unofficial visit. And I was 14, 15. It was spring of my freshman year of high school. And that's like crazy. Legal back then, by the way, that was legal back then. So yeah, just, all good, yeah. unofficial, <laughs> I contacted them. All rules were followed, but I remember it was my freshman year of high school. I was on spring break and or it was my like school spring break, but I stayed home and like didn't go on a fun vacation because I was like, oh my God, Wisconsin wants me to come on campus and like just tour around. I couldn't like fathom it really. Like it was just so, it was so surreal. And like, I fell in love with the campus right away. And it was always one of those things that when I look back at my recruiting process, Every other school I went to, I was like, oh, like, this is cool. This is nice. But I was like, something about Madison, Wisconsin felt like home. And I don't know if it was just because I was wowed with it being my first one, but the like coaching staff had just been so great to me. And like, I absolutely loved the campus that that one, that one first visit really stuck out to me and then obviously led me here. So. Well, yeah, a lot of people that grow up in the state of Wisconsin admire Wisconsin, obviously. Is that the way it is in the Bloomer family? Are they all Badgers or was it? could it have been wide open? I actually grew up full-blown Badger fan, family through and through were Badgers. But in my head, I was like, I'm getting out of here. Take me to a coast. Like I'm getting as far away from Wisconsin as possible. And then ended up comparing every other school to Madison and then ended up committing. So my big dreams of getting out of Wisconsin didn't exactly go as planned, but I couldn't be happier here. So I'm really not upset by it in any way. I have to believe part of that happiness is playing for a coach like Paula. Tell us about that connection with your coach. Yeah, I mean, I definitely spend probably more time with my goalkeeper coach, Tim, where both of them have truly been so great with me and like, it was one of those things where as a freshman coming in, I think there was a lot of growing up I needed to do. So quite honestly, I didn't really develop probably um, my like relationship with Paula and Tim as much until going into that back half of my freshman year after kind of adjusting to the ways of jumping into a collegiate season in your first semester of college. I like was very overwhelmed and very in over my head at times that after that first semester, we kind of had established a little bit better of a relationship, a lot of meetings, like talking about my development and like what I need to do and how to manage the season. So it was really after that first semester of my freshman year that I felt like, okay, they really do have my back in this. Like I'm not drowning like I thought I was. And 
from there, it's just been great. And they've done nothing but help me want, help me get better and help me achieve the things that I've wanted to set out for. Christian Labors, Jordan just mentioned her tipping point. When did you know as a coach at the youth level, and you've seen a lot of players go on to the highest levels out there, when did you know that Jordan Bloomer had what it takes to make it to the next level? I think the first time I saw Jordan, we were actually playing against Jordan when she was 12 or 13. And she was always incredibly springy, as I would say. And she had a huge personality, which I think you can tell on this. Jordan's not afraid to talk and to, she has no filter. And that's a really positive thing in many ways, especially as a goalkeeper, because she inspires confidence for the people in front of her. So from a very young age, we knew that there was something different about her. But the biggest thing I think about Jordan was her willingness to compete and throw herself into anything. She doesn't do anything halfway. She goes fully into it. And when she joined our club, I think, Jordan, you were 14, mm -hmm. uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, th I mean, there was, there was a lot of stuff to learn. Um, you threw yourself into it. You were not intimidated by things. And uh, I think sometimes that got you in trouble. But uh, you, you also can just continue to go at getting better and better and better. And Paula, uh, it's funny that Paula talks about crosses because that was an area I remember your North American uh, Cup game against internationals where they scored in the last minute on a, I think it was a corner kick that we had some challenges with. And that's an area of your game that's improved so much over the last couple of years in college. Uh, but I would say, Dean, you know, there's, there's athletes. And, and when you put athletes together with the competitive fire that, that Jordan have, it's just a matter of putting them in a good environment where they can eat up information. And I think, uh, She's done that. She was going to be a Badger at age like five, to be fair, though. I think that was uh, that was pretty clear in uh, in the way Jordan looked around the world uh, as a youth soccer player. Paula, were you worried at all when she told you she was going on other visits or did you know that you had her? Oh, we, I never think that. I'm always the person who's pretty... Uh... Uh, paranoid about everything so <laughs> I, I know that when we talked about it like when and I trust a lot with Tim Rosenfeld my uh, assistant coach who spends a lot of time with Jordan and has done a great job with her um, you know from the athletic part he would say that she had the likes of Alyssa Nair and Aaron McLeod and you know he's naming these names of play coach the goalkeepers that he's worked with like in, a, in that setting and saying like this kid has these things and so you know, I, I don't know, you know, Wisconsin, sometimes people can't find it on the map. So you're hoping that nobody goes to see Jordan play. And I think some things what you saw in games is that she might have given up a couple goals with her club team. But what they didn't see was the other 15 saves that she made. And so I think being in that environment and having to make saves, you know, I think Christian's right, like her her presence and her personality, she was like, I'm going to make another save. And so that enabled her that gave her a foundation that when she got to the next level and she was right once she became open to you know receiving the information and not being so worried about the outcome right away and more of the process she really kind of blossomed as a goalkeeper wisconsin takeover christian labors got his undergrad and master's degree from wisconsin and they say he played a couple years at wisconsin that's still debatable i guess and we've also got paula wilkins and of course jordan bloomer one more question before we take our first break you know, it's interesting that your goalkeeping coach is Tim. Just this weekend, Tim Lenahan retired from Northwestern. And Tim Lenahan is famous for saying as a head coach that he hates goalkeepers. Jordan, he just says that out loud. He doesn't like dealing with them at all. Paula, what's your take on goalkeepers? It's good that you've got a full-time goalkeeping coach that you can count on. But what is your take on goalkeepers? I've been with Tim for about 
18 years now. The rule is I'm not really supposed to talk to him. Is that right, Jordan? I'm not really <laughs> supposed to look at him. I mean, or talk to him, sorry, too much. But I put my two cents in, I think, because I know enough to be dangerous with it. So I'm trying to be more of the emotional support person uh, than the critical person. But sometimes that does that. But let's be honest, all head coaches, when something goes wrong in a game, they just turn to their goalkeeper coach and kind of like glare at them like it's their fault that that the goalkeeper did what they did um but I think we've gotten to the point where he knows it's coming he kind of laughs about it and you know he addresses it when he can his temperament with goalkeepers is fantastic I think it's a different type of athlete uh, because they have and I'm not saying it's more because they have a different pressure on themselves right like when they a forward misses a sitter no one's doing the same thing as if when they miss a ball between their legs not that's ever happened to Jordan right but you know it's it's a different responsibility it's a different pressure um and i think that he does a really good job to to relax it and deal with it and i hope to be a little bit more like the, the relaxed relief for them and whenever i say something to jordan i always say i'm not really sure but and she'll we'll have that conversation right so that's what I, I i agree with him a little bit but they're necessary and a good goalkeeper can make your whole team believe so and i think jordan has the ability to do that Amen. Certainly made me a believer. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back with this Wisconsin takeover. Wisconsin women's head coach Paula Wilkins and her All-American goalkeeper Jordan Bloomer and also a Wisconsin graduate, both with his bachelor's and his master's, the president and CEO of the ECNL Christian Labors. That and more of ECNL's podcast, Breaking the Line, after this message. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Welcome back to segment two of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a Wisconsin takeover here with Paula Wilkins, the head coach of the Wisconsin women, fresh off an impressive victory over Rutgers at home on Sunday. On senior day, Jordan Bloomer, one of her seniors, was a stalwart in goal, pitching another shutout. And I'm also joined by Christian Labors, the president and CEO of the ECNL. I want to talk big picture women's soccer because it has never been bigger right now. Add a football is out there. So now we can watch football over in Europe and South America and everywhere else. The NWSL is getting ready to roll. College soccer has never been better. And now the youth game and really a lot of the credit goes to the ECNL, which is now the most established league for girls. And they're also getting it done for boys. So Let's just talk big picture first with Paula and Jordan, then we'll slide Christian in there in the role that ECNL plays. But Paula, I mean, big picture for women's soccer. And of course, sometimes I just have to say the name Rose Lavelle and that is enough. But beyond Rose Lavelle, I mean, women's soccer worldwide and in our country has never been bigger, never been better. I completely agree. It's so exciting. You know, um, I'm going to date myself, but 
when I played, I played with the boys until I was 16 years old because they didn't have many teams for the, the girls. And I'm, I, I'm just so excited to see how it's evolved over this time and the opportunities that players have gotten. And even the biggest thing is the development that these players are, are given with the, with the ECNL, you know, getting good coaching, playing good teams, all those things are going to be important to keep raising the level for us to stay ahead of the world in the, in women's soccer. So, um, it's, it, you know, across the street from my house right now, there's a field and you see uh, girls out there playing every day and you just get excited that they just have opportunities. And it's not, you know, to be always be Rose Lavelle, but to build relationships, to learn how to deal with being on a team and, um, you know, getting better and, and working towards something. I think that is something that's, you know, helps those girls further in life than just beyond soccer. Jordan, I asked you the tipping point on when you knew you could play in college. Now you've got the tipping point knowing that you are going to be drafted. You're going to have the ability to play, hopefully in the NWSL or overseas, wherever you want to go. When did that bell come on or that light shine? When did you know that, hey, when I'm done with Wisconsin, I can maybe make a living playing the game I love? Quite honestly, it didn't happen until COVID hit. I think I had been kind of like, pushing off the idea of really thinking about committing to either one end or the other of like, do I just graduate and get a job and join the workforce? Or like, do I maybe give this whole thing a try? And when I was previously set to graduate this past December with my undergrad degree, that was supposed to be, you know, my final season um, in this past fall with the Badgers. And then I like, didn't really have, a plan figured out after that. Like I technically had a job accepted, but I was still like, I don't know if that's really what I wanna do. And then when COVID hit and I was given the opportunity to not only stay for the spring, but then play another true season next fall, I kind of had a little bit more time to be like, wow, having soccer taken away from me, I wasn't ready for that. Like I thought I was more prepared than I was. So. COVID actually was a little bit of a blessing in disguise for me to be able to figure out where I really wanted to be and what my priorities kind of were going to look like going forward. So it wasn't until this past fall that I had really kind of come to the conclusion that I was like, soccer is where I want to be and what I want to do. So silver lining of COVID, I guess, which is probably pretty unusual for most other people in this time, but I'm very actually thankful that I had the opportunity to step back from it a little bit and also have it pulled away from me um, to really really kind of solidify that oh yeah like soccer is what I want and soccer is where I think I should be so I appreciate that answer from your heart and Paula kind of teased us a little bit on the call before the Rutgers game so I feel like what you're telling us is that you will be back next year playing as well for Wisconsin in the fall is that a true statement absolutely and I'm more than excited to have another opportunity to put on this Badgers uniform so that news doesn't hurt Paula no, it, it doesn't. It, it's very exciting for me. And one of the discussions that we had with Jordan was that, you know, goalkeepers are an interesting group because their development and some of its game management, all that stuff um, takes games and just, you know, getting better. And so we looked at our development in terms of like, okay, so maybe if you go in the NWSL and you just become a number two goalkeeper, can you get more games and get more game experience to get better and better and better? And to Jordan's credit, you know, going back to even like when her freshman or sophomore year, um, part of it was that she is now open to feedback and taking information and getting better. Her training habits have changed. Her, um, you know, all that stuff has changed. And you kind of go like, you know, she's grasping the opportunity that 
I think following what she said echoes what she says is that COVID gave her that, you know, she kind of went, you know, this is something I can be, but I can be really good at it. And so um, we're really excited. It's also some leadership stuff that we have coming back, but um, I'm just thrilled that she gets to, to have that opportunity again and to lead some of our younger players, but also again, to keep de developing and getting games. I think, you know, anytime a goalkeeper can get in the goal, you know, I think it's hard if a goalkeeper splits time with people or anything like that she's going to get a, a lot more experience to get better and better and maybe hit the ball even further in the wind. Um, <laughs> uh, next year, she has to, so her development will be that way. I'm just going to jump in here and, and ask a question. And, and Paula, you probably have a, a, a thought on it. But Jordan, from the beginning, and you've heard us say this, you had a big personality. You weren't afraid to be vocal. And I, I hear a lot more maturation in the way that you're talking now, which is to be expected as you continue to grow and become the person that you are, which is great. But the, the importance of the willingness to communicate and to express yourself, even as a young player, is so important. And it changes the environment of the team so much when you have players that are willing to talk and are willing to express themselves, even if not all the time what they say is exactly correct. But the willingness to, to put themselves out there is a big thing. You've always had that. Maybe I'll throw it at both of you. You know, Jordan, what made you so confident and willing to do that even at a young age? And then, you know, I'll ask Paula, because we had this conversation with Grant Hill when he talked about, you know, his experience at Duke basketball and the importance of communication and talking on, on the court. And I'm sure that's something you guys talk about uh, in your program as well. So maybe I'll just throw that general topic at both of you guys. I think it was always kind of an innate part of my personality to just be slightly overconfident, even if I didn't necessarily have the basis to speak my mind. I did it anyways. Um, and then that transferred into soccer when I had a youth coach back when I was like 10, 11, 12, that really started to be the one that instilled like, hey, goalies need to be the ones to communicate to the people in front of them to help us win the game. So like, it stemmed from a little bit of a natural born competitive edge overzealous personality of just like, I was kind of loud, kind of like to goof around, kind of like to just, like you said, I kind of had no filter. <laughs> um, and then I, I think I was able to channel it into sports um, when it came down to me realizing like, okay, if I tell somebody in front of me, like if I tell my defenders X, Y, and Z, and it's gonna help us win, then I'm gonna do that. And it's always kind of been about winning because I've always been so competitive since a young age. So I think that really sparked it all. <laughs> but yeah, Paula laughs now because we know it's not always just about winning. There's a process to it, but I fine tuned it during the process and it's helped out so far, so. <laughs> I laugh a little bit. They always tell a story about Jordan when she was younger playing basketball with one of her former teammates from Wisconsin, Peyton Wesley. And it, it, the, the short part of the story is that basically Peyton didn't know what to do with the ball. So Jordan basically, I don't know, how old were you? How old were you? Uh, I was like fifth grade. Yeah, she screamed at her. I think you actually might have sworn at her. I'm not really sure that because <laughs> Peyton was so indecisive because Jordan just wanted to win. And Peyton was maybe a little bit more passive with that type of stuff. So I think that's when Peyton quit playing basketball is that it might've been true. Um, but I think she has always had that. I think the one thing Christian said is really important, especially communicating with your coaches. Um, you know, when we brought Jordan to Wisconsin, we knew she was probably gonna sit a year um, because she'd be a better goalkeeper in her fifth year than her first year. 
hearing that now, she probably shakes her head. But at the time, it wasn't something, you know, a player comes in, they've been their starting goalkeeper for um, their club team since they were 14 years old. And now all of a sudden, they're not, their role has changed, they're, they're changing, going into college, and, you know, they're figuring out who they are. All those things are very um, difficult. And, and Jordan, I remember in her end of the year meeting that year, you know, every time you talk to Jordan, like how things were, it's great, it's awesome, everything's great, everything's great. And then we got to that meeting, and she absolutely imploded, breaking down, crying, but we didn't know that. And so, you know, we, I talk to players all the time and I could probably do this to Jordan and she would get it right or wrong, I don't know, but I always tell the players, what color am I thinking? And they, they can never guess because how would they know, right? Like most of them would say black because that's what I wear, right? And Jordan's taking her head. But what I tell players is that I can't help you with something I don't know about. Right. So if you're having this stress in your life or you don't understand something or, you know, something's going on, I can't help you unless you tell me that. And I think what's what Christian was saying is that players have to be proactive in their development. Right. They have to ask for stuff because there's going to be not too many coaches that say, no, I'm not going to help you. Right. Because our success is their success. So I think it's really important that players understand that there's two parts to the development. It's the coach giving you information. Right. But it's also you asking for what you need. Right. And it's not what your parents want. But if you don't understand where you are, if you understand why you're playing, you're going to have to use that that learning process when you get a job eventually or you're in a relationship. Right. So it's really important. And if had we had known Jordan was melting down her freshman year, that would help her better. And she's gotten so much better at that. She's not afraid to come in and ask. She's not afraid to say something um, because now she's in control of her development rather than hoping a coach helps them. Um, so I think that's what the biggest thing for Jordan and the evolution is. And that's one thing I tell players is that you have to be able to communicate with a coach. You know, there's two people in that relationship to help make you better. I think that's a, a, an interesting process that a lot of players go, go through from being the best in their club environment to then being a player that has to prove themselves all over again. And, and Jordan was exceptional as a youth player. I mean, you went through the youth national team system for a little bit. You had the national training camps. You started and played every single minute of every single game. Um, you, you, you saved your team in big moments a lot. And then you go in and, and uh, you have this transition of now I've got to prove it. What I did doesn't necessarily matter now. It's a, it's a, it's a blank slate. Um, and I remember that time period a little bit when you were going through some of that, but maybe Jordan, because so many p players go through that, what helped you kind of get, you, we've talked and hinted a couple times here and the sort of the maturation and the change um, that helped you get from the, the player, the young, maybe naive player a little bit to the one who's bought into the process, the one that, you know, um, figured out how to step forward because I don't think it's a small thing to go. It's one thing to be a great youth player. It's another thing to be a great youth player who turns into a collegiate All-American. And so um, the process at Wisconsin and the process you went through, what advice would you have um, for young players or for coaches of young players helping them through that? I think um, one of the first things that comes to mind for young players is asking for help doesn't mean that you're not like strong anymore. Cause I think that was the big thing that I struggled with. Um, like Paula had mentioned, like every time they asked me like, oh, how are things? I was always like, good, great, like never better. Because in my head at that point in time, I had thought, well, if I tell them I'm like having a hard time adjusting, they're gonna think I can't handle it and they're gonna give up on me, which obviously I now know is like 
so far off base, but at that time, that's how I felt. So like, I think the first thing that I would say to anybody that's making that jump is that like having, like having the, I, th I think it's strength to be vulnerable with your coaches is something that's like so important to be able to talk to them and be like, look, this isn't going how I thought it would. Like I, you know, I'm having trouble adjusting, whatever, because it doesn't make you look like you're not strong. If anything, I think now I've realized it shows that you're stronger to be able to admit that, hey, I need help. Like, or I wanna talk about how we can fix things instead of always just trying to do things on your own. Um, I think that's kind of one of the biggest things that I've found, but then even off, um, off of like that, being able to talk to your own teammates and like really building those relationships with players, I think has been the other thing that's been um, probably one of the biggest impacts on my, on my career here so far, because my freshman year, same thing, that fall semester, I was so in my own head about me, 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 what do I need to do? I need to focus on myself that I really didn't give myself um, much of an opportunity socially to like really take in all the relationships that a team can offer. And I think they offer so much support as well through whether it's upperclassmen who have been through similar experiences or even girls in your own class, like freshman year, especially everyone is struggling to adjust to college. So being able to kind of open yourself up, not only to your coaches, but to the people around you, I think can be some of the most impactful things to help pull you forward and help get, keep you moving in the right direction. Um, I don't really know how, I don't really know if I have anything to say in terms though of advice for coaches, but other than maybe just sometimes prompting a little bit more, if you think that, oh, that's strange. They're saying everything's good a little bit too much, maybe like, and something seems slightly off there. I don't know. Sometimes I think those individual conversations and letting them know that like, you truly are there to support them and help them achieve what they want to do is probably just the only thing I would say for that. Paula? Two things. I think building off of what Jordan said was that for young coaches, I think not being honest and truthful with players is probably the worst thing you could do for them. You know, I had a player a couple of years ago who said the, the coach never made her defend because she was there attacking Phenom. But when she got to college, it was one of the hardest things she had to deal with because she hadn't developed herself that way. Right. So, you know, when I work with youth players, I'm very, I'm very honest with them. I don't, I'm, I'm very clear because I think clear is kind, right? If we're really trying to help them with their development. So, you know, kowtowing to parents or something like that. At the end of the day, if you're doing what you think is going to help their development, it's going to be really important. One thing that Rose Lavelle says all the time, and I don't know if it's good or bad, but she always says that now in the league and where she's playing with the national team, she really learned how to defend because at Wisconsin, she had to defend. And sometimes she works with players from other programs where maybe they didn't have, they were in possession more and that they didn't have to defend. So putting yourself in situations where it's challenging um, is not a bad thing, you know, um, that you, maybe if you're, if you're on a team where you have to defend all the time, you become a better defender. Um, the other thing for me is, is be coachable. I think Jordan fought it for a little bit, but just because I think sometimes coaches give you the information and either A, you don't like it, so you don't want to listen to it, right? Or you're spending more time worrying about what people are thinking about you rather than making them information and processing the information. I think kids who are coachable, who have just kind of let go of their egos and, you know, especially when they come into college at the very beginning, they get a lot of information thrown at them. Their ability to process that information and put it onto the field really helps them be successful. You know, we had a player her freshman year who didn't play a minute, but every day in practice, 
She played against the best forwards because she was on the non-starting team. And she took information and she processed it and got better and better and better every time. And those kids tend to get successful. It's the ones that, well, I've had a lot of success as a youth player. Now what I'm doing isn't really working because remember, you have you have players who have been there for four years older than you. In the youth system, sometimes that doesn't happen, right? You only play the same age. You know, that happened to me when I was a freshman. I, I played against, uh, uh, went in as a freshman and I got lined up my, my first day of practice and I cried and I thought, I can't do this. So the players who are willing to be coachable, listen, process information and know that it's a longer journey than just that moment, they tend to be way more successful. I love that answer. We're going to take one more break and we're going to come back and process some more information. I want to know from Jordan what it meant to be a first team All-American. I also want to know how she processes big wins and tough losses. It's a Wisconsin takeover with the great coach of Wisconsin women, Paula Wilkins, and their All-American goalkeeper, Jordan Bloomer. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast will return after this message. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. Final segment of this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a Badger takeover with Paula Wilkins, the head coach of the Wisconsin women and her All-American goalkeeper, Jordan Bloomer. I'll start with that, Jordan Bloomer, as Christian Labors was joking with you earlier back at 12 years old. We were still trying to figure out to make sure you could kick the ball right and you weren't going into the goal the wrong way. And now you're an All-American. I mean, first team All-American, not second team, not third team, first team All-American. When you heard that news and when you hear me describe you as first team All-American Jordan Bloomer, how's that make you feel? I mean, it's a great honor. Like, it's something that I – didn't ever know if it would truly come my way. Um, I had always told Tim and Paula, like when they asked in like meetings and stuff, like, what are your goals? What are your goals? And I was like, well, I mean, an All-American would be pretty cool. Like, <laughs> I think that would be a pretty good one. And I had always kind of thought that there's a chance that maybe I would have been able to like make my way into just like the third team or something. Um, and then when I had gotten the call from Tim last year after whenever it had come out or whatever to the coaches first, I, I genuinely couldn't believe it. I remember getting the call and being like, Tim, like, this is a really mean joke if this isn't real. <laughs> like, cause I, I just didn't believe that I would have had the opportunity to make the first team. Um, so it's just something I'm so incredibly proud of. And yeah, it just makes me so happy to know that I was able to achieve one of the things that I had set out without full certainty that I'd ever be able to reach. So, Paula, be honest. You knew she was going to be good. You knew, as you just admitted in the last segment, that it was going to take a little bit of time. But 
Did you know that she was first team All-American material? Um, again, I'm going to fall back on my assistant coach who had worked with Alyssa Nair and Aaron McLeod, and he said that she's right up there with them. So um, I think, uh, and Jordan does this very well, like she's organized her defense in front of you and she has some credit to those guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I go back to the save she made in the, in the game, in the NCAA game against Duke with like five seconds left to go in the game. And I thought that's, that's the moments that makes her the All-American. So she definitely has all the tools. And like I said, Tim was completely always supportive and knew that's what she could do. So we're glad that she achieved her role. And just so you know, Jordan Bloomer, I've been able to do some pretty fun things, but my true All-American moment was the first time I met Paula Wilkins was at a Big Ten tournament. And the day I showed up to call the game after seeing her at practice and not looking so good the day before, she actually said that I cleaned up well. And that for me, that's all I needed right there. You know what I'm saying, Jordan? Oh, I know that. I know that all too well. All I strive for is Paula to compliment my outfit as well. So still I bring that story up all the time because it is it is right there. I, I love that. Uh, all right, I want to switch gears because you know, look, between COVID and I like that you clarified how the recruiting stages were different back when you recruited Jordan. Now it's different. So with Christian involved, you've got all of these elite level players playing in the ECNL. And a lot of them are playing for, in fact, the notion of being able to do what you did, Jordan, and that is go to college. So between COVID, that changed the rules. Coaches used to be able to be more at events. That's less. I think the amount of time that you can recruit, you have to wait. So I'm not even sure the rules on all of that, but it's changed quite a bit. So we'll start with you, Paula, and then also Christian. I mean, the rules have changed on how recruiting works. And Christian, one of your goals is helping these kids reach that next level while you're also winning games. And Paula, your goal is always to find the next great Jordan Bloom or the next great Rose Lavelle. How have the rule changes affected how you see these players performing in the ECNL? I actually think the rule changes help a little bit because we can't have contact with them. So, you know, instead of making a decision on a 13, 14 year old, now we're making a decision on players a little bit older and has matured a little bit, especially for goalkeepers. Like goalkeepers, I think, take a little bit longer to mature. Um, and so I think, I hope that, you know, we'll have more information watching these kids at a younger age, but not being able to contact them um, so we can make better decisions from, for them to find the right fits. You know, we're making a decision on a kid before when they were way younger, but we didn't even know if we needed it. Oh, that center back didn't work out. Oh, now I need a different center back. You know, I, all these different things. I'm hoping by pushing it back a little bit, we give these kids the opportunity to truly develop, um, get a little bit better, um, have a better idea of what they want. You know, if you talk to a 14 year old like Jordan, you know, they might want to stay closer to home because they still like, you know, they want mom and dad around. And, you know, if you're talking to a 16 year old, ah, they're out because they're a little bit more confident in what it is. So thank God we got Jordan when she was younger um, because she wouldn't probably stay closer to home. I think that's a little bit of a, you know, you see kids changing their mind when they get closer because they don't know what they really want when they're younger. You know, I always ask parents, I say like, do you think your daughter can make a really well-informed decision right now? And a lot of it becomes financially based. Um, and so hopefully these players have matured a little bit. Coaches see more what they want. They're physically more developed. You could see a kid when they're 12 and you're like, it, like greatest example is Rose Lavelle. She was 96 pounds. Like no one's going to look at that kid, you know? And I think 
Now they're going to mature a little bit more physically. They'll be a little bit more mature that way. And hopefully we kind of get it narrowed down that these kids get in the right place at the right time and we can make really good evaluations on them. Again, with Jordan, we were very lucky because, you know, she didn't want to leave Heartland. So that's nice. And I always like when, you know, you, you get a kid from Wisconsin who's going to be a first team All-American at Wisconsin. Like it just kind of says, you know, it, just because of populations of that, we're not the Texases and the, you know, California is the world that I think it's awesome for Jordan and Melanie. Yeah, I think uh, the rule change from the perspective of a youth club is also positive because I think there's a little bit of chaos that's going on when kids are 13, 14, and they're trying to think, you know, I use the line, they don't even know where the high school chemistry lab is, and they're trying to think about where they're going to go to college. So I think taking some of that stress away at the younger age groups and letting people just kind of enjoy the game and focus on a development process instead of looking five years ahead of time and trying to figure out a collegiate landing spot is a really positive thing. I think that's great. And uh, the game keeps changing. That, that rule change is one of them. You know, Paula mentioned kids playing in their own age group a lot. You know, that's changing starting this fall in the league when we're launching the Super Cup program to push top younger players into training environments of older players. So if you look at the game in college, at the professional level, at the youth level, the one constant is going to be change. And I think we're moving in a good direction at all of those levels in this country. And here's to more top level kids coming out of the league and starring in college and the collegiate game continuing to uh, push the program and everything else moving forward. Paul, as you hear him talk about the Super Cup notion, which goes right back to your point when you played and you were an elite level player as well, freshman against the seniors, you're like, whoa, now at this younger level, seeing 13 year olds play against 17 years old, potentially, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's it's good and bad. I think um, I think it's good because they're exposed to that. I think the right kids in those right environments are, is, it's great. They're stretched, right? We, we, we want to do that, that they have to think faster, that maybe something they didn't get in their age group is going to be important. And even hearing older players talk. I think that all that environment is great. I do think there's times, and I know Christian knows this because you know we've talked, is I think there's also times where they have to be in their own age group and dominate, right? They have to be able to take over a game. They have to be able to do that. They can't always be the low man on the totem pole. So I think the, the combination of both of those is great development for you know, um, our players. They get in that environment where they hear, they see different things, they're forced to play faster. Maybe physically they're not there yet, but they have to think faster. And then when they go back to their own group, they have to prove that they can dominate there and take over games. Because I think there is something to say about that. You know, we see players who come from club teams that aren't maybe as great, but they're responsible for their team winning. And that says something to that when they get to college, they're just not a cog in the wheel. They are the keystone. And that teaches them that when they get in the game, I, my team's got to win. I've got to figure a way to do that. And we've seen teams do that. That was somewhat with Jordan. You know, I think, you know, they, her club team, her age group was very good for, for FC Wisconsin, but Jordan also had to make a lot of saves. So she was put in an environment where she had to be the challenge and she had to be responsible for her team winning. You know, if you're a goalkeeper that sees maybe two shots a game at a club level, maybe you're not getting as much of the development. So being able to play up where you're going to get lit up a little bit, even if you let goals in, goals teach you something. They teach you what you didn't do right to get better. And if your long-term is to be a really good player, then you're going to have to go through those bumps. You're going to have to take it, you know, and parents have to recognize that. And I know Christian's probably had uh, episodes about this, but, you know, parents get caught so much in, oh, well, wins and losses and what college coach was here and what college coach was there. They're missing the development of the player, right? Like, oh, all she can do is score goals, but she can't defend. 
your daughter's missing it. So making sure that that they're doing that way. And I think the ECNL is heading in that direction to make sure the development is right. No, I think that's a really important comment because so many parents and players also think that playing up is this magic elixir. And at the end of the day, if you play players up all the time, what makes them special can go away. And Paul is saying that. I think that's that's a really uh, important mix. The challenge and the stretch is really important, but then the ability to get better at whatever it is that makes the player unique is also really, really important. And so that is going to be a delicate balance in how we do this, which is why we're looking at this being an additive thing that doesn't take away from the age group experience, but adds additional pressures, challenge, stretching to those special players. And uh, <clears throat> it will be, uh, it'll certainly be a learning process for everybody involved in it. But I think it is, it is important as well. And, and, I, and I'll say one more comment about, you see so many people who, kids or clubs who just play a bunch of kids up all the time because it satisfies people who want to feel like, oh, my kid's excelling. And if you do that, you also miss the learning because every year there's spot stuff you're supposed to learn. So if you skip an entire age group, um, it better be because you know everything that you were supposed to learn in that year. You can't do that in school very often. Um, and just say, well, fifth grade is not important to me because I've excelled. Uh, you got to learn certain stuff in fifth grade. And I think the same thing is true in the development process. One of the things is we told Rose to play with boys, right? Because they're a little bit more physical and everything that, but it, she stopped dribbling, right? She just stopped passing because she couldn't dribble the boys because physically they were faster and knock her off the ball. We don't want to take that away from Rose Lavelle. Like you, you, that's what her best part of her game was. So you're right, Christian, parents and coaches have to be a little bit suspect. Like they want to be in an area where, they can do things and try things that makes them better. Jordan, as you hear these comments, knowing that during your time, the rules were different. Any advice to young women that uh, are considering the recruiting process and going to the next level? I guess I would just say to look at, I feel like this is something that people hear all the time, but truly does matter so much is looking at the university as a whole, like making sure you fit in with like the school culture as well as the academic programs offered. And then like with what the team's expectations are as well, because I mean, college is just such an overwhelming thing to jump into if you go there for one of those three and then it doesn't work out, you feel very stuck. So, I mean, if you're trying to avoid transferring and like trying to avoid having a tough first year, making sure that you find a really well-rounded community and like um, enjoy the campus life, think you're going to enjoy the program setup and the coaches and the girls and like kind of get a vibe for that. And then as well as making sure that it has the academic either rigor or programs that you're looking for so that you can truly have like the most well-rounded experience possible. One of the experiences, and we'll end with this, uh, unless Christian has a final follow-up question is it's been great. Uh, so grateful for your time, Paula and Jordan and, and Christian. I saw you on Sunday beat a Rutgers team against the wind, a very good Rutgers team, by the way. I saw you pitch another shutout. Now, I also saw you lose to Purdue last year as the number one seed. So tell us now in your maturation how you deal with big wins and tough losses. Uh, one of the things that uh, our goalie coach has always been big on, and Christian is actually big on this as well throughout my club time, um, short-term memory for goalies on losses is so key making sure that you use the learning like the pieces to learn from but then not dwelling on the result itself or the fact that you got scored on so I think that's been one of the big things for me to um, really grow into is if I get scored on and we lose like the world isn't ending you know like 
I take the pieces that I need to from film and I learn from it and I go over it and I try to figure out what to do next time to hopefully curve that and not have the same situation repeat. Cause Paula has just said this a couple of times as we did, you know, just have a couple losses this season, which was uncharacteristic after following last year's more so than, you know, special season of going undefeated in the big 10. And she was like, just don't let a loss beat you twice. So I think that's been really big. And then I think managing big wins can honestly be a very exciting opportunity because that energy and like the team is so excited after that, that you kind of want to keep that feeling going that I think if you channel it right and channel it properly into trainings and going into the next match, it can be something that, um, I mean, streaks build for a reason, right? So momentum is definitely a key factor in games. And I think if we can keep that energy rolling throughout this next week of training, we should go into games looking pretty good. I feel like there's also positive embarrassment here, Christian and Paula, as you sit and listen to Jordan Bloomer today compared to how you knew her, Christian, as a 12-year-old and Paula, how you knew her as a young freshman. You got to be blown away because I know I am and I don't know her nearly as well as both of you do. Well, I'll, I'll just end with this. Jordan knows this. It's not anything I'm making up or lying about or whatever because of the podcast. I, I That's one of the most impressive things is that fair Jordan that I have said about her development and maturity as a person so I am been very happy about that part and this girl when she finishes her time here she's ready to go on and do whether it's in the league which I, I, I know will be or in whatever job she's definitely just evolved as a person and I'm so excited about I'm so excited what she's going to do next and Christian because you knew Jordan I think even before Paula your final thoughts yeah, Jordan, it's been a while since we've talked too, but I, I'm really impressed with your maturation and your development and the way you conduct yourself. It's really, really cool to see. And I'd always prefer a boisterous, outgoing, big personality that then you have to maybe put the brakes on a little bit than somebody who's dead silent and doesn't want to talk and you got to try and pull them out of the shell. And you certainly were the former, but to hear you talk now and, and to hear sort of just the maturity and the, the thoughts and the depth of the thought that you have, it's no surprise that you've grown and evolved as a player as well. And so that's great to see because at the end of the day, I'm sure you'll have an opportunity to play in the NWSL, but then you'll ultimately, you're going to go on and you're going to do whatever it is you do with the, the, the long period of your life after sport. It's awesome to see that you're so well prepared to do that. So congrats to that, Jordan. It's really cool to see. Thank you. It does mean a lot that both of you guys took a chance on an outspoken kid from Wisconsin with a lot of a lot of uh, suspect qualities, whether it was in goal or, you know, my lack of filters. So I definitely am not uh, blind to the fact that I started out a little rough around the edges and both of them took great chances with me and I'm very, very thankful for it. Well, George, we're thank you for your time. I look forward to calling your games in the Big Ten tournament. You always excite me in goal. Thank you so much for being on Breaking the Line, the UCNL podcast, Jordan Bloomer. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. And Paula Wilkins, did I clean up okay? What, we good? You look great. You look <laughs> great. I appreciate that. Christian Labors, the president and CEO. Is there some sort of Badger song you guys are supposed to sing or are we good? It's not the most... Uh... The, the tune is a little um, unflattering to most voices without any other crowd members singing along. So I so think we know. might just pass on and you can kind of tell that Jordan and I have lost our voices a little bit, so I don't know if we've gone key. <laughs> but it All is right. worth it. All right, cool. I think we're probably good with that. Uh, what a great Wisconsin takeover.
Christian Paula Jordan, thanks for being on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you. Thank you. For Christian, Paula, and Jordan, as well as our producer, Colin Thrash, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.